The UFO crash in Roswell was in 1947, and most people know that as the first real UFO crash in the United States. Not too many people know about the solo-piloted craft that crashed in Aurora, Texas in 1897. In true Southern fashion, the townspeople even gave the deceased pilot a proper Christian burial in the town cemetery. But was this just a big ol' hoax? Or did an alien really crash in a small town 25 miles from the nearest railroad station before the turn of the 20th century? Welcome to the creepiest sleepover. I'm Kat, and I'm going to apologize in advance for the short length of this episode. As it turns out, I should probably pre-research before I commit to putting something on the calendar, because holy shit, was it hard to find stuff on this. The day before I recorded this, I actually even considered going to Aurora just to find someone to talk to about it and maybe get something more. I still might go sometime because it feels like a missed opportunity to host a podcast in which I talk about true crime and paranormal stuff and not go to see a possible UFO crash site. Might take another trip to the Texas Rangers Museum, too, see if I can find a good story there, other than the obvious Bonnie and Clyde. At any rate, this one will definitely be shorter than last week's whopper of an episode, but hopefully something you may have never heard of, and that is still at least moderately interesting and entertaining. Aurora is a small town of about 1,200 people northwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. It's actually only about a 35-minute drive from my house, so again, I should visit. Keep an eye on my Instagram and Twitter, because if I do decide to go, I will definitely document the trip there. The town was founded in the 1850s, and by the 1880s had a decent population of about 3,000, two schools, two cotton gins, two hotels, and a smattering of businesses to keep the place lively. However, in late 1888, an epidemic of spotted fever broke out, leading to a mass exodus of the town. I'm recording this in March 2022, so let's just pause for a moment at the mention of the word epidemic. At least in this case, spotted fever was spread by ticks, although they didn't know that then. It would be another few decades before people made the connection. Yes, I did go down a rabbit hole reading about spotted fever. Why do you ask? It was a pretty nasty disease. It got its name because of the dark purple spots that would appear on the body, and was accompanied by fever, chills, delirium, and in the more severe cases, patients would go comatose and die within hours. This exodus of the town led to the abandonment of a plan to make the railroad pass through Aurora, and they opted to go through Rome, a town two miles away. Nowadays, two miles is nothing, but they didn't exactly have cars and highways back then, and a round trip would take two hours by foot not including anything you might have to actually do in town. I guess they had horses, but whatever. It was a huge loss to the town to not have the railroad pass through. In April of 1897, there were reports of UFO sightings, specifically a cigar-shaped craft going from the west coast and heading eastward. A quick goog tells me that these sightings dated back to November of 1896 and went all the way to May of 1897. They were spotted in California, Kansas, 
Michigan, where one journal article I found presents it as a, quote, mass hysteria, and Illinois. I don't know what your opinions on aliens and UFOs are, but I think it's just as reasonable to believe in aliens as it is to believe in literally anything else. Except Flat Earth, I can't get into that one. Whether or not they're, like, flying around our planet or whatever, who knows. My husband has done some research into some alien stuff that leads to Antarctica. Maybe I should have him on sometime to talk about it, even though he hates podcasts. I mean, we all know Giorgio Tsoukalos, right? The hair guy from Ancient Aliens. There's obviously a fascination with the idea of aliens, or the idea that we're not the only intelligent life in the universe. Although, let's be real, humans being considered intelligent life is pretty debatable, especially two years into a global pandemic. My dad sent me a YouTube video once that was of the photos taken by the Hubble Space Telescope pointing at a seemingly empty patch of sky. When the photos were received, they revealed thousands of galaxies and stars. I remember it made me feel so small and insignificant, but so important at the same time, because like, as big as the universe is, I exist. Like that fact is so wild when I really think about it. The perfect series of events happened to bring me into the world as the person that I am. And despite all of my mistakes or whatever, I'm still here as this unique being. Ugh, I'm gonna stop getting philosophical. I'm supposed to be funny. Anyway, where were we? Uh, 1897 UFO sightings, right. So there were a bunch of sightings all over the country. On the morning of April 17th, 1897, a windmill on the property of Judge J.S. Proctor was destroyed. The cause? A curious ship crashed into it. When the townspeople investigated, they found a person inside the craft. Well, I say person, but apparently it was clear that this being was not of this world. The town doctor even examined the being, trying to save its life, but to no avail. They took the body and buried it in the town cemetery with Christian rites by a traveling pastor named William Russell Tabor. Honestly, that is super kind. I know Texas gets a lot of shit for being a national embarrassment at times, and while the government leaves a lot, and I mean a lot, to be desired, the actual people of Texas are, in general, pretty good people. Have I been victim to racist shit? Sure. Do some old white men still glare at me and my husband for being an interracial couple? Sure. But overwhelmingly, the people here are truly kind people who would give you the shirt off their backs if you needed it. An example. When a fertilizer plant in the city of West exploded about 10 years ago, you couldn't even get halfway from Dallas to West. Normally, it's only about an hour and a half drive because so many people were trying to go and help. I ended up giving all of my donated stuff to a friend whose church was going to help because there was no way that I could get there. By the way, if you ever find yourself in Texas, stop in West, best kolaches around. This being would eventually come to be known as Ned. I don't know why, that's just the name that stuck, I guess. Ned the Spaceman. I couldn't find any reports of mysterious men in black or anything, but this was 1897. I don't know if they existed yet. Maybe the government wasn't as into cover-ups back then. News didn't travel fast, after all. Speaking of word traveling fast, let's talk about whether or not this is a hoax. 
Like I said, the Aurora crash coincided with a lot of mysterious airship sightings around the same time. In fact, there are witness accounts of flashing lights in the sky, swiftly moving lights, etc. Remember, this is before 1900. The airplane wasn't even invented yet. I found eight witness accounts, all in Texas, of cigar-shaped aircraft and flashing lights. Even one where the guy said the alien, he didn't call it an alien, he just said man, approached him and asked for some simple hardware tools to help repair his craft and paid with a $10 bill. The thought of that is fucking hilarious to me. Hello, I come in peace, but do you have a screwdriver? Maybe a wrench? I know you don't know what power tools are yet, but I'm reasonably strong. I can do it by hand. I have $10, which will be worth over 300 in 2022, if you can believe it. I don't know why I went more robot there than alien. I don't know what aliens sound like. Other than that one really bizarre story, the others are all almost exactly the same. Cigar-shaped craft, flashing lights, hovering, etc. These people were spread hundreds of miles apart. I guess they could have worked together by telegram or something? I don't know how people communicated in 1897, but I doubt it could have been too quickly. They had phones, but they weren't super common in households yet, probably even less so in rural Texas. How would they even know what a flying craft was in 1897? The Wright brothers didn't take their first flight until December of 1903. I would think the average person's only knowledge about anything that flies would be like birds, not something that would even closely resemble an airplane, much less a UFO. The fact that the town was dying has contributed to people calling it a hoax, saying it was Proctor's way of trying to get interest in the town again. It didn't really work, though. The story published in the Dallas Morning News two days after the crash wasn't even front page. It was on page five. The Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, did an investigation in 2005 into the Aurora crash. They found evidence of metal at the apparent gravesite and requested for the body to be exhumed. In the state of Texas, in order to exhume a body, you need permission from next of kin, apparently which obviously they didn't have next of kin for someone who didn't even come from Earth in the first place. Which makes me wonder about this alien's mom and dad. Was he out joyriding and crashed? Are his mom and dad, like, wondering when their baby is going to come home? I gotta stop. I'm going to get sad thinking about alien families and I don't want to cry on Mike. After Mufon's request, the grave marker was removed and a pipe installed at the site. Three years later, the show UFO hunters did their own investigation. Using ground-penetrating radar, they found an unmarked grave near the other graves from the 1890s, but it was too badly deteriorated for radar to conclude what type of remains were there. But if three years before, MUFON did an investigation and the town apparently installed a pipe or whatever there, then what is this grave? Was the first grave not the real grave? I did hear that they had moved the grave marker at some point. Maybe it was before 2005. I don't know. It was really hard to find stuff about this. Anyway, the owner of the land that Judge Proctor used to live on gave them some metal scraps from the well on the property that were apparently aluminum and an unidentifiable element. So what do y'all think? Big hoax or real deal? 
Or are you like me and don't really know, but desperately want it to be real? Because I really do want aliens to exist. I want to meet one. I don't think it would be like how it is in movies. For one, if an alien ever showed up and any government ever knew about it, they would be captured and experimented on immediately. Even if they were like, yo guys, I'm totally peaceful. I don't even want your shitty planet after what you've done to it. I just kind of want to see what's going on over here on this side of the galaxy. My dad always theorized that aliens would have to be peaceful because he thought that in order to sustain that level of technology, the entire race would have to get along and use their brains together. Needless to say, if he's right, I don't think humans will ever be capable of far space travel. Thanks for joining me tonight. I hope it was interesting, because despite the lack of information, just the thought that there's an alien crash site a mere 35 minutes from where I live is pretty damn cool. I'm going to do something fun next week. I have this book, 501 True Crime Stories, and I am going to go to a random page and do that for next week. So you'll have to check Instagram and Twitter to see what it's going to be, because I am currently in my closet of a studio and I do not want to go out there and wake up my kid to try to get the book. So check my Instagram. It'll be on my stories. I'm not going to lie. I'm mostly doing this because I could not think of anything to do that really grabbed my attention when I was making the schedule for March. So I'm just praying I get something I either have never heard of or is at least interesting. So you can find me on Facebook at The Creepiest Sleepover. On Twitter and Instagram, I am TCS underscore pod. You can support the show on Coffee or Ko-Fi. I don't really know how you say it. Um, the link is on my link tree, which is on all my social media. Theme music is by Chris at Half Cab Studios. See you next week. Sleep tight.